Welcome back, OTRs. In today's Thoughts from the Truck episode, we're going to discuss and kind of round out our discussion on employment and veterinary practices. And today I'm going to bring you a really special episode. And this episode is going to have a ton of community feedback. So what I did for this episode was ask the community why people are practice owners and why they are not practice owners. So I went to three different Facebook groups. I went to the Veterinary Practice Owners Advice Line, the Vet Truck Bovine Vet to Vet Forum, and Four Veterinarians by Veterinarians. And I posted a question to them. I said, if you're a practice owner, what's the number one reason you became a practice owner or why you continue to be a practice owner? And then the second one was, if you're not a practice owner, why are you not one? What are your concerns? So I asked this question to these three groups. I got almost a 200 responses. And what I'm going to do today is kind of share with you the compiled information, compiled results from this. It's some really interesting results, and I'm really excited to bring this to you because I think in veterinary medicine, we need to do a better job of educating people on the benefits of ownership as well as some of the detriments of it. And this isn't touched on, I don't think, as well as it could be in veterinary school. So stay tuned, OTRs, for another exciting Thoughts from the Truck episode. So the real challenge is, how do veterinarians like us, who don't have the time, resources, or financial backing of a multi-million dollar company, who are faced with irregular work schedules, on-calls, and emergencies, how can we facilitate our own personal and professional growth so we can continue to offer superior service to our clients while still remaining competitive in today's market. That is the challenge, and this podcast will provide you the roadmap to its solution. I'm your host, Dr. Eric, and welcome to Operators to Owners. Welcome back, OTRs. Now, before we roll into some of this information, I kind of want to recap our month and set the scene again for this discussion on veterinary practice ownership. So in the first week of this month, in episode number 31 of Thoughts from the Truck, we discussed um, the overall field of the veterinary job market. And this kind of involved a discussion on debt-to-income load, average annual salary increases, and differences in salary um, by region among other juicy details that I pulled out of the AVMA's annual um, economic census for the practice. We then kind of rolled into episode number 32, where you discussed kind of a new concept that I rolled out to the industry called this active resume, where students and prospective associates could create really a targeted resume or a targeted um, business pitch or experience for that practice um, during their attempt to gain employment at their ideal job. And then finally, last week, in episode number 33, we kind of switched perspectives to the, um, from the employee to the employer, from the, to the ownership perspective. And we talked about how do you develop good candidates for your associate positions or for, for your individual business? You know, how do you recruit those ideal team members to your practice? And then how do you develop and retain them over time so you don't lose those talented team members as time goes on? So if you missed any of that prior exciting content, you know, I'd invite you to listen to it again, episodes 31 through 33, um, so you don't miss out. And it's going to kind of set the scene for today's discussion on veterinary practice ownership. Now, today, I want to focus on this ownership aspect. And why I wanted to do this is because I think it's really undervalued. 
um, as a veterinary practice owner. And obviously this was kind of my goal ever since I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian. I think it was like sixth or seventh grade. So I'm in a different perspective than probably some of the listeners are. But I think it's really important, and I've seen it more lately, that veterinary students consider practice ownership as a kind of end goal for their career or as a means to help themselves either financially, professionally, or just set their families up for an overall better life. So, and the reason, again, that I'm concerned about this is I'm just not getting a lot of the feedback from individuals when I'm there in my truck that they want to own a practice. And I mean, this kind of coincides with some of the data we're getting from AVMA. AVMA has shown that, you know, from 2008 to 2018, um, in their censuses, they're seeing veterinary practice ownership by practitioners, um, veterinarians actually practicing medicine down by about 5%. And, you know, I have a little bit of concern about this, about losing some of the autonomy in the industry. And if you go to some of these different vet groups, you know, there's several other owners out there that are concerned about that as well. So, you know, those are things that I think are important to consider. The other thing is, is, you know, given the current debt to income stuff that we talked about, you know, in episode number 31, um, it's important to consider practice ownership as maybe a way to financially manage that. Now, praxivets.com, they do some evaluation of the different salaries for veterinarians. And what they found is the average annual associate, excuse me, the average annual salary for an associate uh, across the nation is about $82,000. Now, if you contrast that with the average annual veterinary clinic owner's owner's salary being about $182,000, you know, obviously there's risk associated with those different salaries and and there's different job descriptions and things like that. But when we're talking about means for veterinary students or veterinarians to pay down their student loan debt, I think it's incredibly important that we have this discussion and that we have this discussion again with students and with associates establishing that yes, there's risk, but this is a potential way to alleviate that problem. So again, I asked questions to three individual veterinary groups. And again, so let me just read you one. So I just asked, I said, you know, I'm doing some research and I said, would you share the number one reason you became a practice owner or the number one reason you didn't become one? It was a very, very simple question, and it just blew up. I couldn't believe how big um, that these questions actually got on my individual veterinary groups. Um, like I said, I got almost 200 responses, uh, and it's been really enlightening. I've had people say, oh, now I remember why you know I'm becoming an owner, why I was an owner. I've had people kind of reconsider why they weren't becoming owners. So let's kind of break down some of these common responses. And I want to start with um, the common concerns from respondents. And, you know, these are ones that are definitely resonating with me. I hear them from students. I hear them from people that I'm coaching. Um, Definitely things to be concerned about. Um, And I'm going to work through them kind of point by point. And I'll just kind of um, contrast them with things that you can do to balance out the concern um, or just say, hey, yeah, that's the harsh reality of being an owner as well. So the first concern kind of category I've got is that life balance, you know, the too many hours, less vacation, um, you know, doing all that paperwork and everything after hours as well. And the points that people really brought up from their concerns of why they're not becoming an owner was, you know, number one seemed to really be family balance. Uh, And actually someone commented, and I I was going to share people's names, but these are all closed groups. So I'm going to avoid that today. Um, But if you hear um, 
your actual comment basically being uh, summarized here. Uh, just know that that I would love to cite you if it wasn't a closed group. So again, back to this life balance concept. So family balance, and even someone commented, you know, it's crazy to think about having kids and doing all that practice management too. Um, you know, another person commented on this life balance that they kind of watched their parent who was a veterinarian become shackled to a practice as a kid, and they never want that. They'll take the the salary cut and uh, and forget it. I don't. I, it's not worth it to me. Um, other people talked about just they don't want to take on more work. They don't want to take on more stress. And it's not going to be balancing out for their life. And that is, you know, this life balancing is definitely a concern. Um, I am still actively working to try and manage it. Um, I would say that I probably still work more hours than my wife would like to see. I probably still work more hours than I would like to. Um, but building a business, and, and I can say this from personal experience, my family uh, owned a business for over 30 years. Um, for those of you who know me, they ran a, a cow rendering business. So they were obviously entrepreneurs of themselves of their own. Um, so I kind of grew up in this, whereas my wife did not, um, you know, her parents worked for different entities. Um, you know, they put their hours in and, and they didn't have that, that business experience or that, or that individual kind of entrepreneurial business. Um, so definitely coming from contrasting points there, I can definitely acknowledge that this is an issue. There are lots of ways to balance this. You know, I've, I've started to do a little bit better. One of my other co-owners has really gotten on me to, um, you know, delegate more, make sure that we're really focusing on things that actually matter, you know, either to the bottom line or the development of the practice. Um, but it is definitely a concern. You know, I probably put in an extra, um, you know, at least an extra hour, maybe a day than, than a normal associate would do, um, you know, upwards to if we're doing some marketing or a push like that, maybe two or three hours a day. So definitely a concern. Um, can it be managed around? Certainly. Delegating tasks, hiring practice managers, um, those types of things definitely can be done. Leaning on your other partners, if you have partners in ownership, um, definitely can help with that balance too. Um, but certainly, you know, <laughs> I got to credit my wife. My wife really supports me in terms of, um, you know, supporting me for, for running this business and creating some extra time in the day to do that. Um, but you also can kind of create that balance to yourself um, by working more efficiently and delegating, um, kind of like I mentioned a couple of times now. So definitely a concern in practice. The second concern that's pretty common is, you know, what current knowledge. So obviously veterinary schools aren't really able to or trying to um, increase your business knowledge or your financial knowledge or your legal knowledge while you're in practice. Now, this can lead to, you know, then the concerns continue to list on, you know, more paperwork. There's little to no training before this graduation, like I mentioned, and then there's little to no knowledge of the resources that are actually available. So again, definitely a valid concern. Um, you know, obviously don't want to go into a situation where you know nothing about it. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit later about how you can reach out and establish some of the resources that can start you um, with basically putting you into that training yourself, training yourself either through veterinary school, through undergraduate, or even once you're out in practice, preparing you to become a practice owner. But this is definitely, again, yeah, another very valid concern about practice ownership. Um, you know, I've done a lot of personal research, either reading um, articles or seeking out financial um, knowledge from either an accountant or an investor, or again, leaning on some of my partners um, as well to kind of help me with that. But just know too that you don't have to know everything before you go into it, but you do have to know the resources that can help you with it. But yes, again, very valid concern, something you can work through, um, but also a very valid concern of practice ownership. 
The third thing that people commonly talked about was cost. And this is a substantial consideration, obviously. Um, you know, it's it, it can it can really weigh on you, especially when you're looking at um, veterinary school loans, uh, maybe you have a vehicle loan to practice medicine if you're like a large animal or um, in the field practitioner. Um, you might have a home loan by this point if you're if you're an associate as well. So definitely keeping that debt to income ratio within a reasonable man, measure is important. You know, people also express concerns about earning a living wage with, you know, that overall debt burden or that clinic burden on you. Um, they looked into, you know, the cost or they're concerned about the cost of actually even buying the clinic. Is it even feasible to buy it and take on that much more debt? They mentioned student loans again. And, you know, the last thing that is definitely a valid concern, um, it actually came from somebody that I know is, you know, how do you, they can't compete with corporate bids, especially if you're forced to remain in a limited area, either due to family um, or unwillingness to move as well. So definitely, definitely a concern. Obviously buying veterinary practices, um, you know, those are high dollar investments. Um, you know, there is return on the backside, generally speaking, if the businesses run well and it's growing and those types of things. Um, and we'll talk a little bit later about different veterinary owners who basically commented on um, the benefit of actually taking on that additional debt for actually paying down their current debts. So we can talk about that later. It's definitely a concern. And the thing that is really changing the game a little bit, again, is that last comment about corporate bidding. Um, you know, some of the bids are actually quite quite big and almost, you know, to that ridiculous level of, yes, you definitely can't compete with that um, as these companies try to break into the market and establish their footholds in different areas. So definitely, again, now another valid concern, something you might be able to work around. And I think we'll kind of propose or talk about um, some veterinary practice owners and, you know, how they have managed this overall cost as an issue. The last concern that a lot of people or a lot of respondents had was just managing people. The whole hiring, firing, training, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they don't always know HR training again in veterinary school. Um, you, you're responsible for staffing, finding employees. And just overall, there's just not a lot of formal training on this topic. And I think that's definitely shifting. I'm definitely seeing more CE and more events for the HR management within the veterinary clinic. Um, there are also things you can do, again, hiring a really good practice manager that can manage the HR for you and keep the office, you know, kosher is, is really important as well. That can help balance it. At our clinic, um, one of our veterinarians who's an owner, he takes over the HR aspect. And again, I think I've described this before, but I'm more the ideas and development marketing guy. So I kind of stay in my realm. He stays in that HR realm and really helps develop our people. So um, there are definitely ways in which you can avoid that. Now, if you're a single solo owner and you might not have, you know, the ability to hire a practice manager, certainly you're going to have to, you know, do the hiring, do the firing and just manage the overall culture in the clinic. And I think, again, this is a challenge that some veterinarians or some veterinary owners you'll hear about later have really um, kind of delved into and enjoyed setting that culture for their clinic. So yes, again, a very valid concern, but something that might present you with a lot of opportunity if you buy into a clinic for really setting, you know, your own personality or your own culture as you move forward. So, you know, those four big categories are all very understandable concerns and very, very, very valid. However, you know, as your optimistic podcast veterinary coach, I'm going to quote you a Marie Forello quote, and that's everything is figure outable. And it's for this reason, you know, I also want to show you guys the benefits of becoming an owner. So you can kind of think about, hey, yes, 
there are some negatives, but this is what I could get out of it. And I think I can figure this out. So now I want you guys to remember that these benefits that are stated are not, you know, my actual benefits. They're not coming from me. They're coming from veterinary clinic owners all around the country. But I think these statements do a great job of showing why I wanted to bring this message to you guys today and why I think it's so important that we share this more with the veterinary community. So I'm going to start the benefits with a quote. So I had a poster post one line quote and I was like, I just love this. So this isn't going to fit into any individual category, but I think that this is a great summary of, of potentially why I became an owner. And, and the quote, I don't know who it's attributable to. I didn't do bad homework, but the quote is, I wanted to be the change. Sorry, I became an owner because I wanted to be the change I wanted to see in the world. I think that's a great little quote there. You know, if you really want to see change either in your veterinary practices um, or with your clients or in your local area, this is a great way to facilitate that. So let's just roll into a couple of the benefits. So I've got five different categories of benefits for becoming an owner that were shared with me. And again, this might be a little bit skewed because one of the groups is um, exclusively veterinary clinic owners, but I think these are, again, very important things that you guys become aware of. So first one is you get to become your own boss. And for some people, I, I swear this is this, if you read the comments, you know, this was benefit enough. They didn't want anybody looking over their shoulder anymore. They wanted to practice medicine they, the way they wanted to. Some people commented on how they didn't want to have corporate interests or the bottom line driving each of their decisions when they're doing medicine. So they also got to make the decisions themselves. They had control over everything. Their hard work increased their earnings, not somebody else's. They avoided another or avoided working under an unemployable boss, or excuse me, an unenjoyable boss. They decided that they just weren't a good employee, that they would be better off if they were employing or if they were the employer. You know, some people commented on they saw problems in their current practice and saw that if they became owners, they could fix those problems and make this a really great clinic or a better clinic through their eyes. And finally, some people talked about they got to pick who they worked with. They just didn't enjoy some people they worked with or didn't like the attitude or the culture. So by becoming an owner, they got to pick who that was. So again, sometimes becoming your own boss is just a great thing because ultimately you control everything. The second benefit to becoming an owner was you get to create a culture. You get to train the way you want. You get to support people the way you want. You get to treat clients the way you want. You know, people talked about how they got to establish, you know, a place that everybody wanted to work at. They got to make a family friendly environment where people could come and go as they pleased. Um, you know, they could take care of their kids in the morning or those types of things. They had sick kids. Employees could take care of that. They got to establish that type of culture. They have to change a poor current culture. So if there was a, you know, conflict in the office or those types of things, they got to change that. Someone commented that they really felt like becoming an owner allowed them to switch the practice from prioritizing profits to prioritizing clients. Another person commented that they got to improve the overall customer experience. You know, and I think that's kind of important as well. When you become an owner, you definitely take more ownership of the actual client interaction. And I think that um, that might be something that a lot of people can really improve um, for their veterinary practices. Other people talked about they got to create their own niche. 
So really interesting story on one of these was a practitioner that came out of school and um, just made their own practice and they and they do some laser therapy um, in a large metro area and they're just a mobile practice. Um, another person commented, hey, you know, I've been looking at doing this for like 20 years. So, you know, that's a culture of, hey, I'm a culture of a single vet and I'm just going to go around and I'm going to do this. And then finally, another person commented, they got to establish kind of a culture where telemedicine was okay. And their clinic has established a really good, um, you know, profit or generation line um, off of telemedicine from that. So they got to create this culture that maybe is more modern or a change from the classic veterinary clinic culture as well. So again, becoming an owner really allows you to have a lot of flexibility and really establish, you know, that environment in which you're going to work and you're going to treat your clients. The third thing or third benefit um, that was repeatedly touched on within these posts was people were just seeking to finish their career path. You know, it's, it was their end goal of entering into veterinary medicine. It was their natural progression. So, you know, they always pictured, you know, owning their own practice. Um, this ownership or, or creation of a practice um, was a, a way for them to practice medicine in an area that wasn't hiring or that was underserved. So, you know, they, they were able to create a job for themselves, basically. Um, another person commented that they were just going to carry on their family legacy or their practice and wanted to continue to service the area that their family had for the previous generation. And then finally, some people just said, you know, I've always had this goal and they probably fit in the same category as me. But they wanted to own a veterinary practice. And that's where I fit. And, you know, obviously that's just, that's not enough to just say, I want to own a practice, but that was the initial goal and the initial reason, you know, that some people become veterinary clinic owners. So that can, it can just be, yeah, I want to be an owner because this is the culmination, you know, of my career in terms of goals. The fourth benefit that I saw repeated over and over and over. And I think this is one of the things that's um, almost in harsh contrast to some of the people that don't become owners. And even somebody commented on one of the threads, you know, it's kind of ironic people who weren't owners said that, you know, this was one thing that the reason that was stopping them and the people who were owners were like, this is why I did it. So this fourth thing is setting your own hours, you know, family versus work versus, you know, other recreational things. And again, it was pretty funny to see, you know, some clinic owners um, were commenting how this was like number one reason why they did it. And then again, some people were saying, hey, this is why I'm not doing it. But a lot of people talked about, you know, they bought the clinic or became an owner because they wanted to prioritize what was important. Some people said, you know, I want to drop my kids off in the morning. I want to be at my kids' events, those types of things. And by being an owner, they could prioritize that and not feel bad about it or not have trouble trying to get off for it. Other people said, hey, I want extra vacation or days off whenever I want to take them. You know, they got sick of being said, you know, no, you can't take off this time because of X, Y, or Z event. You don't get that as an owner. You have to figure out the coverage and things like that, most certainly. But that's one thing that you can actually control too as an owner. You, again, another people, other people commented about, you have flexible hours to attend kids' events. So you got sports events on the weekend, you schedule around that. You got sports events at night, you close a little bit earlier. Those types of things allow you to have a little bit more flex. And again, you create more time in other areas, but by being the owner, you get to dictate the full of that time or the change of that time. Other people commented that they were already working extra hours for an employer. So they wanted to make those extra hours worth something to themselves. You know, so why am I working all these extra hours for someone else to make more money? So they, they wanted to justify that it was extra hours of work to themselves. And again, I just really want to say that many, many people 
said they did this to prioritize family. And this keeps coming up over and over and over again. They wanted to set their own schedule. And I think this is something that is vastly overworked. I think everybody has this classic image of this veterinary practice owner working themselves to death, you know, extra hours and all of those types of things. Again, everything is figure outable. So if you need that extra time and you don't want to do that small management stuff, maybe you're getting a practice manager or a part-time manager, or maybe instead of running the books, you're having somebody else, you're outsourcing that, or you're having your accountant do it. Those types of things can all be done. So you're not married to your job. It's going to cost you money, certainly, but you can do those things so you can prioritize what's important to you. And again, by becoming an owner, you can do that. The last thing or last benefit of becoming an owner, I think is pretty um, obvious. If it's a well-run business, it's financial. You get to reap the benefits of what you grow. So people talked about how they're sick of making more money um, from their business building efforts for somebody else. Other people talked about becoming financially secure by paying down veterinary student debt or having an exit strategy or that, you know, quote unquote, golden parachute when they get all done. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of comments about how people started to run the numbers and said, yes, I can buy this veterinary clinic, get into more debt, but I will pay off my overall debt more quickly because I have a successful business or I can grow this business X, Y, or Z amount and actually pay this debt off more quickly. So I think this is a very, very common fallacy that people are like, oh, I don't want to take on that additional debt, but it's something people definitely need to consider and sit down and pencil the numbers out when you're looking at this. And definitely if you're looking at buying into a practice or buying a practice, pencil those numbers out and see what it looks like from a debt to, you know, down payment scenario. Because it might actually put you in a better financial position, assuming you can find a lender that'll put you in that position. Other financial concerns or things or benefits people said is they had the ability to control prices for clients and manage their margins more actively than an employee. So as the owner, they could offer you know a low-cost clinic in a poor economic area and still make a decent living for themselves and their family. And then finally, some people just said they wanted to make more money. And obviously, any well-run business, whether it's, you know, from, um, you know, the mom-pop shop on East Street all the way up until corporate America, you run a business well, you're going to make more money. So some people simply just wanted to make more money running a successful veterinary clinic. So no matter how you look at it, there are positive aspects of clinic ownership and definitely concerns or roadblocks to ownership as well. I really hope that this discussion will stimulate some more people to look into clinic ownership as a potential long-term career option. If you're interested in clinic ownership, then begin making connections or finding resources today that could help you in this endeavor. Find a local or national mentor that can answer your burning questions. Join groups like the Debt-Free Vet, Vet-to-Vet, the Vet Truck, or um, Veterinary Practice Owners on Facebook or other social media and begin picking up some of those finer points and frustrations that come with owning a clinic. Seek out some professional development groups. You know, one poster suggests a group I'd never heard of, the 7S Society. And I'm gonna be looking into that material a little bit more for myself to educate myself more about my business. But seek out veterinary professional development groups, whether that's CE events, um, there's definitely veterinary practice consultants as well that hold CE events or different educational events. Um, seek out things at your veterinary school as well or at your business school if you're not quite there either. But just you got to seek out those things that are going to educate you, train you, and prepare you for ownership. Also, seek outside help, such as, you know, reliable veterinary practice accountants. 
investment advisors that are fiduciaries that are been looking out for you, um, you know, and ask questions to practice managers or about practice managers and potentially how they could relieve some of the burden from you either when you become an owner or as an owner right now. But the ultimate key, I think, is you don't need to know it all to start. You know, lean on other people, lean on these outsourcing or these mentors, and you're going to learn from the school of hard knocks for sure. Trust me, it's been done. But remember that that which we fear the most is most likely our greatest opportunity. Carry on, OTOers. If you liked this content and want more, join our OTO community at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. Also, check out our blog at otovets.com forward slash blog. And don't miss our cutting edge episodes where we cover the latest in peer-reviewed scientific research related to large animal veterinary medicine. You can find the written context at otovets.com forward slash cutting edge. Or you can listen to it at our podcast at otovets.com forward slash podcast. Please join our community for an active discussion about today's podcast, past podcasts, and other decisive topics within veterinary medicine. Thanks again for joining us today, OTOers, and carry on.